Acts chapter 16. We're going to head straight into a, a favorite passage of the Bible, the favorite passage for me anyway. I think it's one of God's favorites as well. Um, it's an incredible account of what happens in the middle of the early church. There's a whole load going on. Churches being planted left, right, and center, started. There's never been a church before, and all of a sudden, they're springing up all over the place. And um, there's this incredible man called Paul who had an encounter with God when he was going to, to try to destroy another church because he was very against what he saw as, as error and heresy. He was a, a strict Jew, and um, he absolutely believed that you know, Christ was a heretic. You know, here he was going around saying he was the son of God and then he went to the cross and they thought, oh, at least he's gone. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the church explodes in the world. The church is being planted everywhere. Thousands and thousands of people giving their lives to Jesus Christ, saying, Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior. And perhaps you're here today and you've never done that. Perhaps you've never come to the point where you say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. It's not enough to just believe something. You know, you can believe anything, but you know... It needs to be acted on, not just believed. You can believe that something's in your bank and never spend it. You can believe that somebody lives and never talk to them. You can believe that you're, you know, all sorts of things. But it isn't enough to just believe in Jesus Christ. You need to give him your life because he's given his life for you. And, and the Apostle Paul had this most amazing encounter with God. He was on a horse going to Damascus and, and you know, God appeared to him. Uh, in the most amazing way, and um, he gave his life to Jesus then, he called him Lord, and then he, isn't it amazing how God can take the things which everybody writes off and turn them into something that is absolutely world-changing, and that's what he did with Paul, he took this murderer, he took someone who was there, you know, consenting and actually giving authority to people being stoned to death for being Christians and all this sort of stuff. And God absolutely turned his life around and caused him to be one of the greatest history makers there has ever been on the face of the earth. And, and he wrote, you know, half or more of the New Testament. Um, he planted loads of churches. And we pick up his story here in Acts chapter 16. And he was... It says here, now it happened as he went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination, a soothsayer, a psychic, came out and, and she brought her masters much profit through fortune telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. Now, you may think that's a great advert, but it's really not when it's coming from the wrong spirit. It's a distraction. It's something you don't need. And it says, so Paul, greatly annoyed. And you know, there's a, a time to be annoyed. I'm not talking about the Christmas Grinch here. But there's a time for something to stir you up and say enough's enough. We're not doing this anymore. We're not doing this. I'm not accepting this anymore. This is beyond a joke now. You know, I'll give, you, you know, I'll give it to you for a day or two, but here we are after many days, enough's enough. 
Something's going to change today. Something's going to turn around. Something that came in one way, I'm leaving a different way. Something is going to change today because enough is enough. And this is where he got to. It says, greatly annoyed, he turned and said to the Spirit, this all sounds a bit weird. Perhaps if you're a guest here today and you're thinking, wow, do you really believe that there's a spirit world and there's, there's angels and there's evil spirits? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. Hollywood has made multi-millions on, on that whole industry, but it comes from a, an aspect of truth that there is a spirit world. And it's important to be on the right side of that spirit world. It's not something we talk about a lot here in Citygate. You know, we tend to talk about being good to people and serving people and, and honouring God. And, you know, but there is a spirit world that we need to be very, very aware of. We need to understand that there's the good and there's the bad in the realm of the spirit. And he said, it says, he said to the spirit, just like all through the gospels, you find the Lord Jesus Christ, it says he cast, it, he cast out evil spirits out of people. And set people free from the most horrendous things, which were not just, couldn't be counseled out of somebody, couldn't be encouraged out of somebody. Some authority needed to be taken and somebody needed to be set free from what it was controlling their life in the form of an evil spirit. And here it says, he said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he given a he, it's given a personality, it's sort of a, not a person, it's a spirit, but, and he, not it, and he came out that very hour, but after the masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, isn't it amazing, once that one thing had been said, that one word had been spoken, that one prayer had been prayed, everything changed for that girl, she couldn't do what she'd done before. Prophet had gone because she wasn't able to fortune tell anymore. They seized Paul and Silas, Paulus and Silo, Paul and Silas, and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the, the courts and they said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. <laughs> and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the whole crowd rose up together against Paul and Silas and they commanded sorry and they and they tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods and when they had laid many stripes on them they threw them into prison commanding the jailer to keep them securely so having received such a charge he put them into the inner prison the inner cell was no it was it was probably twice this size. Couldn't stand up in it. You were, you were screwed up on the inside of it. You, you couldn't stand up. You were probably on your knees. Most uncomfortable place to be. You can imagine what it smelt like. Threw them into the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. See, Paul and Silas have reached the point where enough is enough. We're not having this anymore. As we leave 2018, we're on the final straight. I wonder if there are things in your and my life where we say enough's enough. That is not going with me into next year. It's not happening. Well, you know what? That can be decided today. 
That's about three of us who think that's probably worth agreeing. It can be decided today. Oh, but Pastor Jay has been with me all year. Yeah, but today, today can make a difference. That girl had no idea when she walked out that day that she was going to walk back a different way. I want to encourage us. Let us stir something in our lives into a place of action and not apathy. Into a place of compassion and not complacency. Into a place of faith and not fear. Stir something on the inside. You know, as we prayed the other evening, we gathered here for a prayer meeting, gave us 24 hours notice and we prayed. Had a fantastic crowd come out. We had an equal amount of men and women, exactly the same number. Isn't it good to be in a church where men know how to pray? Isn't that just great? So often you say, come on, let's pray. And, you know, there's no offense, but all the ladies who tend to be more, you know, sensitive to the realm of the spirit and perhaps a little bit more sort of, uh, you know, committed to walking step by step through some things. But I'm so glad we're in a church where the guys rise up as well. I make no apology in this church that we're a church for men. Not that men are any greater than women in any respect. The Bible clearly says we are joint heirs with this grace of life. But there is a huge difference. And there's something so often in the man that can't be bothered to do the spiritual. But I'm so glad we have a church here in Citygate. And even though I say the words, I'm almost saying it because we're here today and preaching to the converted. The Bible says, wake up the mighty men. Because so often they've fallen asleep. But not here in Citygate Church, bless God. The men are wide awake. They are alert. They've got joy and compassion on the inside. And they say, come on, we're going to stand. And having done all to stand, stand. We're going to stir something up on the inside and make a difference in our generation. Can I hear an amen? amen? Bible says, wake up the mighty men, arise and shine, run with the vision, press in, lay hold. This is our time to boldly step forwards into our uh, future. But can I say the enemy knows it? This is not a Christmas message today. The enemy knows it. The enemy knows that there's a group of people that are saying we are rising up to make a difference. The enemy knows that there's a group of people who are prepared to say enough is enough. The enemy knows that there are men in this church who are saying we're going to stand and having done all to stand, stand therefore. The enemy knows there's a church full of people here who are gathering in small groups and are standing for one another and supporting each other. We're a church of small groups. And I'm so glad our men's group is the fastest growing thing in the church right now. Sorry, Sally, I just have to say this. I've got the men's groups complaining to me. You know, we just got so many people. They just, please send them away. Well, these men keep turning up. I'm so sorry, Dave, I didn't come yesterday, but I was in bed. Sorry? You had mine, I'm sure you did. Men's breakfast group. (laughs) 
There's something stirring. We're going for something. We're not taking no for an answer. We're pushing in. We're believing God and we're laying hold of everything that God has for us. It's so good. It does my heart so much good. There is such a huge gender gap in the body of Christ. There are so many churches today that are in excess of 80% ladies and less than 20% men. That's just the fact. I could, I could give you the numbers of some of the great churches that you and I would go, awesome churches, and they really are. And they're struggling with 10% men in their congregation. I'm so glad we have got a church full of men in this place. I'm so glad we have a church full of men. And I want to encourage the men to be the man of God that God has called you to be. To be someone of compassion. Don't go with the stereotypical what a man is supposed to be. And I know I embody athleticism. I know my pecs would shock you. Man, I can make them do a dance. They're just awesome. My six-pack is something to behold. <laughs> if you can find it under the one-pack. I know that I embody everything it is to be the ideal male. I get that. <laughs> but don't go with what the world says a man is supposed to be. Why don't you go to the Word of God and find out what a man is supposed to be? All the fruit of the Spirit apply to the men. They are not feminine. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness are not female attributes. They are God's attributes. They are godly attributes. But in that, there is something about a man that we have an inbuilt aggression. There is something there that wants to take somebody's head off. It's just true. I said the other day when we found out the next door neighbours were being burgled. And um, I jumped in my car, zoomed home. And on the way home, I had pictures of me with my baseball bat and my air rifle. Seriously, I got my air rifle not far from where I sleep and I would have no hesitation to use it. And I've got my baseball bat not too far away. Somebody comes in to get my family, you are going to hear from Julian Melfi. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have no, and I don't apologise for it. Some of you are thinking, dear God, what sort of pastor have we got here? Can I say I feel the same about the church as well? We will protect our children in this church. We will protect our ladies in this church. We will protect our families in this church. And we will protect our community. And I'm not talking violence here. Don't please misunderstand what I'm saying. But there's something on the inside that says, you know what? Come on, we got a job to do. We got a job to do. I need to get on to what I'm preaching because I need to get the band up in just a minute. The enemy knows it. When the Bible says, I'm not going to get really deep into this today, and all you academy people are going to hear a lot more about this in a few weeks' time, but when we, 
In this passage in Acts chapter 16, it says this. She had a spirit of divination. It actually means, if you look into the Greek and if you look into what's going on into that area, it's the spirit of the python. Did you know that? Some of you might have done. The spirit of the python. And you think, that's a really weird spirit. Spirit of the snake. Not just any old snake, the python. Now, if you know again, know anything about me. I'm really like letting all out today, don't I? I, I? I tend to like snakes. I've got a pet snake. It's not a venomous snake, it's a constrictor. What does that do? It constricts. That's why it's called a constrictor. A python is actually very similar. It's of the same sort of family. It doesn't kill with venom. It doesn't, it doesn't use its fangs. It doesn't bite. It doesn't inflict. I must admit, I don't like those snakes. Yeah. What does it do? It winds itself around and it gradually strangles the life out of its prey. Every time you breathe out, it squeezes a little bit more so you can't breathe back in again. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you can't breathe in. Perhaps your chest is is constricted. I hear that's what asthma attacks are like. You, you just can't seem to breathe in. Perhaps you've had to, you've been under, you know, I've done some scuba diving and there's something about being underwater and breathing which is freaky. Seriously. And what happens is you go under and something starts, you know, something starts happening when you first learn how to do it and you suck that tank dry. Doesn't last very long. Once you're experienced, it can last you 40 minutes. But when you're inexperienced, you suck it dry in about 10 minutes. <laughs> and what the snake does is it strangles the life out of its prey. When we feed our snake, we dangle a dead mouse. It's against the law to feed it live mice. You dangle a dead mouse and it sort of grabs it and wraps itself around it. Amazing to watch and strangles and squeezes and constricts. And there's something about the enemy that wants to choke the life out of us. Wants to choke the life out of you. He wants to choke out the joy out of your life. He wants to strangle out, choke out the presence of God out of a church. Really don't want this to be a deep word today, but I, you know, there's just some things that I want to say. He wants to try to choke out your prayer life. Squeeze it out. So we get to the place where all we can do is nothing. Help. The passion's gone. The energy's gone. The joy's gone. To be in the prayer meeting we had here the other Monday night it was, was just probably one of the greatest meetings we've had this year. Phenomenal. People breathing in prayer. There wasn't a choked atmosphere. It was alive. It was, it was alert. It was passionate. What the enemy has done over the centuries when a pastor or a vicar or a priest says, let's pray, and everybody goes, it's as if the enemy's got a stranglehold on the church. The greatest thing we can do is pray. 
When we pray, God moves. When we pray, mountains move. When we pray, people are healed. When we pray, needs are met. When we pray, God invades our reality. When we pray, it's a relationship with God. We're not talking about, oh, dear God, Heavenly Father. (laughs) Then when people go to a football match, something happens and they can breathe again. What has the enemy done to so strangle the body of Christ that prayer is seen to be something introverted and oppressive and all the stuff outside the church is seen to be joyful and expressive? The enemy wants to choke out our time in the Word of God. He wants to choke out our praise and worship. There we are singing this morning about headlight and, and I can't remember all what we sang and the words and whatever else, but dear God, so, so often the enemy wants to choke out our expression of joy and praise and worship so we end up as though we don't believe any of it, just standing there like a bunch of lemons with no expression, no joy, no gratitude, no praise, we're just singing words. What's happened? The snake has wrapped itself around and choked the life out of your joy, choked the life out of your worship, choked the life out of our expression with God. We go to a party and the right music's on and we're, we're happy to dance and, and strut our stuff. But in the presence of God, we've lost that which David found. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Something stirring on the inside. He wants to, he wants to strangle out of us our church partnership and our church relationships. Bit by bit, little by little, squeeze by squeeze, hurt by hurt, disappointment by disappointment, frustration by frustration. Strangle the life out of people. He wants to choke people into a religion. God, man, is this all right? He wants to choke people into a religion and out from a relationship with God. He wants to choke people out of the spirit and into the flesh. Sounds a bit spiritual for a Sunday morning, but the Bible says, you know, speaking to Galatians, you started in the spirit. Have you ended up in the flesh? You started so well. I can remember, you know, when you start things and you really need God. Ever been there? You really, really need God. God, if you don't turn up, we're done. (laughs) God, I'm starting a new business. Oh, Lord, let your hand be upon it. God, lead me and guide me. If it goes down, we all lose. God! (laughs) When you first have your baby, oh, my word, God, what's going on here? Oh, God, if you don't do something with this baby, oh, my word, what do I, God, you got to show up. And I know that's all coming from a place of desperation and we don't pray in desperation, but, you know, perhaps we're sometimes in that place. But And then things move on and perhaps we get in the sales that we prayed for. So we don't need God anymore. You pass the nappies, so it's like, don't need God anymore. We're past the pioneering stage of church 21 years ago. Oh, God. Now, here we are. I don't know how many hundreds of people we have and the incredible things going on in the church. We don't need God anymore. We can do this ourselves. 
We've got a band that are just absolutely second to none. Seriously. We've got oversight in the church, directors and leaders and small group leaders. And we've got an incredible team. I was having a chat with one. I said, you've only been here a year. You're part of the furniture now. It's amazing. Doing so much and people serving and people giving. We don't need God anymore, do we? We don't need God. Lovely, you can sing so well. We don't need God. You just sing. Ben, we don't need God. You can just play and lead the band and that's just great. We can just do without God. Isn't it sad when a church gets, and I'm not saying that is not where we are at. You get what I'm saying. See, the snake will get in and strangle the life out. Strangle the life out. Let's have the band back up. I've not even preached my message yet. This is all my introduction, but I'm out of time. Good though, wasn't it? Don't blame life. Don't blame life or busyness. It's not life or busyness, it's a snake. Is that, is that strong enough? I don't know. I'm saying it with a smile on my face. Don't blame life or business. Oh, I'm too busy to pray. I'm too busy to go to church. I'm too busy to, you know, to read my Bible. I'm too busy. No, it's not busy. It's snake. Little by little. Little by little. Is that a song? It is. Bad song. Don't sing it now. I don't know why I can't remember it. Little by little. Dry, empty ritual. It looked like the spirit of Python had got hold of Paul and Silas. They'd rebuked it. It had gone out. We understand that. But as a result, they were in the inner cell. Little box. That was it. Yeah, they may have set the girl free, but they were getting hammered for it. Stripped. Stripped their clothes off. Smacked them around with rods and whips and whatever else, beaten with rods, bound their feet, put them in the inner cell. However, but, Acts 16, 25 to 26, I'm just going to read two verses. But at midnight, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. (laughs) Awesome. Don't you love this? At midnight, praying and singing. It ain't over till it's over, guys. It ain't over till it's over. I know there used to be an expression, it ain't over. And this this, is, it ain't over till... Somebody sings. <laughs> I can't be so careful. Somebody takes something out of context, put it on the internet and that's me gone. It ain't over till somebody sings. Well, can I just say it ain't over, it ain't over till the church starts praising God. <laughs> and the prisoners were all hearing them and suddenly... There was a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. I'm not going to read the rest of the passage, but I want to prophesy over Citygate Church this morning. 
I want to speak over this place, our lives individually and over Citygate as a church. Stir up the spirit of prayer. Stir up a passionate breathing in and out of our relationship with God. Stir up a spirit of faith. Come on, we're here to move every mountain we face and stir up our praise and worship and the enemy will flee in Jesus' Name. When it's darker than it's ever been, don't quit. When it's darker, this was midnight, guys, in the inner cell. There was no light, so light had to invade. When it's darker than it's ever been, put your hands up and worship God. When it's darker than it's ever been, keep dancing. When it's darker than it's ever been, keep fighting. When it's darker than it's ever been, keep forgiving people. When it's darker than it's ever been, keep sowing seed. When it's darker than it's ever been, keep turning up. When it's darker than it's ever been, keep loving other people. When it's darker than it's ever been, keep praying. When it's darker than it's ever been, keep releasing faith like you've received what you're declaring. When it's darker than it's ever been, keep praising the King of Kings. Why? Because when the church gets loose, the prisoners get set free. (laughs) As we go into 2019, God wants to take some stuff. He wants to shake it. He wants to change it. And He wants to open some prison doors. Those who are emotionally bound, those who are physically bound, those who are financially bound, those who are sexually bound, those who are spiritually bound. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to destroy the grip of the enemy? Well, the first thing's really, 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 really clear. Send in the praise team. Send in the praise team. I'm not talking about phoning Ben and saying, hey Ben, no, you're not up there, are you down there? Hey Ben, can you send the praise team around my house? Can you send the praise team to my business? Can you send the praise team into my family? Can you send the praise team onto the high street? We're not talking about sending the praise team anywhere. But so often in the Bible, there was a tribe called the tribe of Judah, which was the tribe of praise and worship. And there was a king of Judah. So often they were charged with going in first. The praise team had to go in first. When they crossed the Jordan, the priests had to go in with trumpets, blowing trumpets. When they went round the walls of Jericho, the priests had to go out there blowing trumpets. Uh, Come on, an expression of praise and worship and declaration. When there was Jehoshaphat and and his armies were being attacked or three armies were coming against them, he said, what do I do? And he said, send out the praise team first. Get the praise out there. Get the praise. You know, so often we say, send in the cavalry, send in the SAS, send in the paratroopers, send in the Navy SEALs. But But in our reality, the first thing you do is you stir something up on the inside and you lift up the name of Jesus Christ and you start praising Him with all your heart, your soul and your strength. You get some joy going. You get some expression going. You get some some stirred upness. David's harp started 
started to pray when Solomon was tormented and the enemy left. Yokes are destroyed and burdens are removed when the church starts to rise up in praise and worship. Praise is something we do, not something we agree with. Praise is something we do. It isn't a feeling, it's an activity. It's very clear in the Bible, every time you read the word praise or rejoice, it is an expression. It means dance, it means shout. It means spin around under a violent emotion. It means split your ear. That's a strange one, isn't it? It's basically saying, make a lot of noise, guys. <laughs> it means to sing. It means to clap. It means to leap. Everyone is an expression. As we enter 2019, come on, with me, without me. I'm going to add one in. With praise, without praise. With praise, without praise. With joy, without joy. With expression, without expression. With dancing, without dancing. With shouting, without shouting. With clapping, without clapping. I know how I want to enter into 2019. With every ounce of me stirred up, with everything within me, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord, bless God, to stir something up, to praise Him with the dance, to praise Him with the shout, to praise Him with a whole heart. Send in the praise team. Let's stand to our feet today. Send in the praise team. How else are we going in to strangle and to get off this spirit of Python? We're going to proclaim the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There is power in the blood. His blood has set me free. His blood has bought me and paid a price. His blood has healed me. His blood has redeemed me. His blood is still speaking for me. His blood has delivered me and His blood gives me the overcoming power and authority that I have to walk every day in victory. His blood, hallelujah. What else are we gonna do? As I prophesy this into the church as we move into 2019, we're going to get in the river. Come on, turn to someone, give them a high five and say, get in the river. Not just up to your ankles. Come on, not just up to your ankles. Up to your knees. Up to your waist. Over your head. Can I have my hands set on please? Thank you. Keep watching me. Get in the river. You know what? Some people love to paddle. Some people love to paddle. Apparently there are these pools where you can get the bottom of the thing to go up and down. Is that right? I want to press the button and sink that thing as far as I can get it. Dear God, we ain't paddling in Citygate Church. Come on, are you with me? We're not paddling about. We're not just putting our toe in the water. We're not just ankle deep. The Bible says they went from their ankles to their knees to their waist till they were over their head. So they had to swim. If the river of God makes the city of God glad, how much more, how much more are we going to let it make us glad this year? The river of God. What does it mean to be in the river? It means to walk in the Spirit. It means to keep in step with the Spirit. It means to be sensitive with the Spirit. 
I love all the new that we're involved in as a church. I love over the years church has changed. We're not trapped in the 17th century. Praise God for that. We're not trapped in rules and stuff. But we can still be trapped in what we do instead of clinging and desperate and hungry for His Spirit. Get in the river as we go into 2019. Get in the river. What does that mean? Come on, it means start to swim. Start to swim with God. Don't paddle about. Don't give God a go. Come on, jump in. Get in over your head. Paddle around in there. Get up to your knees. Get up to your waist and then get out into the current. There is an incredible current in the river of God. I don't know if you've ever stood in a current or tried to swim in a current. I'm not a good swimmer. I can probably do a width on my back and that's about it. But even the best swimmers, we got somebody connected with the church who's just done the channel. And the first time, it's just amazing how they go in that line and the current takes them all the way down there, miles away. It's only supposed to be about 22 miles and they end up doing about 30 because they swim in this arc because they've got to struggle against the current. Let the current of God move your life. Let Him move you. What does the current want to do? Sweep away all the dross. Have you ever seen a flood? All the rubbish floats to the top. Come on, there's a current in the river of God. City gate started in the Spirit. Let's not end as professionals. Hello? Professional Christians. But number four as we close. Let the river out. Let the river out. How does that work? We're supposed to swim in the river. Yeah, but the river, when you start to swim in the river, the river starts coming out of you. The river of joy the river of power, the river of authority, the river of grace, the river of compassion. Don't be timid or so self-controlled that actually we're being controlled by our own will and emotions. Oh no, nothing moves me. Nothing moves me. Well, don't be proud of nothing moving you. Something needs to move you. And that needs to be the Spirit of God in 2019. Can I hear an amen this morning? We're going to end today with a praise song. And it's a time to step into a place that perhaps we've never been in before. Come on, turn to someone, give them a high five, say it's time. Come on, look at them, say it's time for the river to flood in Citygate Church. Look at someone else, give my high five, say it's time for the river to flood out of your life, my life, this church, into our community, into the prison cells, into the hospitals, into the schools, into the workplaces. Because there's a river of power that I have, that I release. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a shout. Go for it, guys.